Oh, I love it. What's up, fam? We were robbed. Radar, 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 Mel Maninka. On today's third episode of Asking for a Mate, where the proven share the process, our very special guest is a rugby league legend and an NRL Hall of Famer, Ruben Cover King Wiki. He's won a premiership with the Canberra Raiders, one of a few to play over 300 NRL games, was the first player of any nation to reach 50 test caps, and has also played for and assisted the New Zealand Warriors. He has returned home to his Otara roots with his family and still serves his community through his gym, WikiWorks. After reaching out to our mates online, one lucky fan got to join us at the pellet table, so pull up a seat and join us as Ruben shares his stories that will hopefully inspire you on your own journey. Manuia. Okay. Absolute honor to have you in the house. Can we get a round of applause in here for Hall of Famer? Yeah, congratulations on an amazing achievement. But we want to rewind it all the way back to where did it start for you, man? <laughs> crazy, uh, crazy ride also. But um spent most most of my uh, child childhood uh, years in Otara. So uh, a solo parent, my mum, she's Samoan. Uh, we kind of raised three kids on our own in Otara. We had some help from the grandmothers and that, so mum and dad split at a young age. Kind of fell out of love with dad's Māori. Um, but um, yeah, she just did the hard yards in Otara just to give us um, a chance. Uh, working two jobs, so during the day and then at night shift um, at a donut factory. So. Hence our breakfast, lunch and dinner was donuts back in the days. Hence too many boils. <laughs> hey, everyone knows what boils are, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's poison to the blood. <laughs> but you know, we just we just like survived on what was there. Um, yeah. Got no qualms with Otara, man. Got a lot of got good memories in Otara. And um, funny how it's come full circle where I'm at now. I think there was a big red Phone booth that where you could tap, tap your phone number. Mm -hmm. You remember that phone number? That phone booth, the red one. Yeah. Oh, you see, that was really nice. <laughs> so you ring the number and tap, 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 because you didn't have twenty cents. <laughs> but that was the mobile phones back in those days. You mentioned before, like even before today, you were in Mangere, and yeah, and before that was like Kingsland. So we, we, you know, I think all the Polynesian, all my, my mum's mum from Samoa, she, they all migrated to Central. So we kind of just uh, was in Kingsland for a little while and then, then I went to go live with my grandmother in uh, Mangere, Favona Road, went to Favona Primary for a couple. Then we kind of just ventured out to Otara and did all my schooling there in Mayfield Primary, um, Beds Intermediate and Hillary College. Funny, funny how it uh, worked out. Gone all the way back there again. Where we lived, there was a cul-de-sac, so it was like, um, wrap up a jersey, couldn't afford a ball, so we just played footy on the, on the road. Um, hence, you stub your toe or get a graze on the knee, and you just get, give a heads up, there's a car coming, and then play on. Uh, you keep playing until it, you know, goes, you know, you get the call to come, come inside for dinner. But, uh, you know, there was bull rush as well, uh, gutter ball. Go down to the creek and run through the bushes and just play tackle there and anywhere we could like hit each other. But um, no, no, good memories, man. And you know, 
the Mongol mob and the Black Power, big back in those days, so running down to the shops of Pearl Baker, you'll see them all down by the shops. You get a bit frightened, but you kind of learn how to run fast, real fast. <laughs> yep, but um, good times. What what um, rugby club did you first play for? Atara, Scorpions. Oh, yep. yep, so mum took me down to my, my first game when I was five. Just wanted me to play a play with the team instead of like just playing bull rush and stuff on the roads with the with my mates. And then just stayed there until I was about ten, and kind of retired for about three years. Focused on school. Then the teenagers here started and went back. And then went went to Oruhu, played there for my my teen days, and then and then uh, ended up in Australia. The reps didn't come until like late teens, you know, because they were all like big on um, Point Shiv, Glenora, um, Mount Albert, all the you know the big the big teams. So we, we didn't get too much recognition back in the days. So we had to just do it do it the hard ways until um, our, our time came. Eh? So we won a few comps and then we started to get recognised. At what, at what grade? Uh, I was 18s, yeah, 18s, 19s. Went through unbeaten, so then we started knocking on the doors of Red Putty. Who, 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 who was dominating at that time? Us, yeah, yeah but before that was Marist and, you know, Glenora and all those teams. But it was just, um, <coughs> we just had to hold out. We, 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 our team was together for about three or four years. So we had a good mix, a lot of South Auckland boys, some from just outside of Auckland. But um, yeah, just rolled our sleeves up and did the job. You always played in the centres? No, uh, no, nah, nah, played it lock. No, <laughs> show and go, no. No, nah, no, nah, just centre, lock, back row. Um, just love the physicality side of things there. I love the defence more than the attack for some reason. Well, I think it's more of a survival mode, you know, where I grew up and what your mum, my mum went through and, you know, that's once warrior's story, it was, it's true, you know, so it's like living through that and, you know, uh, turning my anger into a, into a sport around a um, controlled environment, but knowing what my mum went through was like, that was, you know, my, my strength to, to make something of my life. To represent her and what she went through. It's pretty. It's pretty raw still, you know. So mm. there were struggles back in the days, you know, with mum's uh, choices of partners uh, and seeing what she went through and hearing the noise like in the next room. So I had, I had two. I got two other siblings. So I got my sister, who's uh, forty-five, and my brother, who's about forty. So just hearing that and uh, you're just trying to protect them, you know, from what was going on in the next room. <coughs> and then, you know, and then this story, in the morning it's, you know, why is mum wearing sunglasses? And so I had to tell the kids, you know, you know mum's eyes are sore, but yeah, I know what was behind these glasses. But um, she just soldiered on and just did her, did her thing and love is blind sometimes, eh? So I was only young, so I couldn't really do much. But um, I'm a bit older now. <laughs> but 
No, mum's, mum's in a good place at the moment. She's, uh, she's off to Burma to do a half a marathon. She just turned 65 the other day, so real proud of her, what she's done since those days. And there's probably everyone's been affected by, you know, violence, um, family violence, and it's like, you know, it's what, what you want to do. You want to follow that same path or you want to make a change. So I decided to make a change and, you know, I got utmost respect for a lady and a woman. So I can make sure they're safe, you know. So I've got a wife, I've got a daughter, I've got a sister. So I just got to make sure they're, they're safe at all times. Mm -hmm. And white ribbon, so I ended up in an ambassador white ribbon, speaking out against violence towards women and children and going around the country and just promoting the, the message, you know. It's not okay, you know. It's, it's not going to change overnight, but hopefully we can change just 1% of people's mindset. And that movie, Once a Warriors, was an eye-opener for everybody. It's not just Māori and Polynesians, it's Europeans and everyone. Everyone's affected in some form or another. Hey, I know, I know women are doing it as well, so it's just not the men, but it's why. Just spray and walk away. <laughs> that, well, that's what I do at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, but it needs to be it needs to be spoken about because it's anyway it's going to get better. I was just enjoying my footy and the team environment. Um, I think it was wasn't until those later years when we started to get recognised, and I started like, wow, because I I like to train by myself. I can go to a dark place. I'm like, well, the dark place for me is like nearly uh, to a point that I'm going to give up, but I just keep going because I'm just on my own. So it's like I'm going to faint or I'm going to cry. It's one of those ones. So, and it, oh, my mum's always in the back of my, my head. So what she's been through. So I use that as my strength to push me through that dark spots. So when in, in a game, that the game becomes easy for me. That's the easy part. So the training part is, you know, that's the hard part. But when you train on your own, it's even harder. So when I'm, I'm surrounded by other teammates, so hopefully they can feed off that because I'll, I'll never give up on my mate. But I, I love to do that like once a day. <laughs> still now. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I say, do you still have the same mindset now or do you just... No, but that's, that's the mentality around everything and try to pass it on to my kids as well. It's almost like an army mentality, eh? Well, like, it sure is. It definitely sure is. It's, it's, um, it's definitely yeah, in those dark places, especially down in uh, Waiuri, man. It's, it's, it's a make of men. You have four seasons in one day. Suddenly it's hot, and all of a sudden, five minutes later, it's snow and it's cold. All of a sudden, the next minute, it's, it's raining, and all of it, it just, yeah, they're, they're, they're plays with your mind big time. <laughs> And you got the weight on your on your back, and you and got these hills that go up like this, and you think it's the end of the hill, but it's just a it's just, it's just a question. You got another hill to go up, so definitely get to those dark places. But at the same time, you got your mates near left and right of you in that same dark place with you at the same time. Mm -hmm. Definitely, so they're they from the same pain with you, and and you're not alone. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah so that, that that's definitely the the military army mentality, very what the pro was talking about. And we like we had like uh, we've done a few um, 
boot camps down in Wauru with yeah. the Warriors and stuff. Yeah. And um, I was talking, you know, texting the missus because she was army for like three or four years. And then I said, man, we're down in Wauru. She's laughing her head off. We just done this hike up Waitangi. <laughs> is he laughing? It is like Waitangi, Waitangi Hill. It's just a steep hill you have to get up there in a certain time. And if you don't, you just got to go, you gotta do it again. It was like, everyone had to get up there. We had to throw the coach. The coach was Tony Kemp that year. And he had like 10 seconds. And we just went, wow, threw him at the pole. Because we had, we had to do it again. So it's Man, it was dark, and I said, "Hun, this place sucks." Yeah, it makes you, yeah, Waitangi, the that's the, the whole name of a Waitangi. Yeah, it makes you cry, right? <laughs> but you know, if you're used to that, yeah. that lactic burn in your your lungs, like... <laughs> go from Otahu Leopards to Raiders, the Raiders. Yeah, Raider, no Ninga. So '89, I watched the grand final, Balmain versus Canberra. Hey, bro. And just saw this big centre, big arm guards, just unstoppable. So, what state is he from? Huh? What state is the he best from? state, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the best state from last two years ago, <laughs> <laughs> and the twelve before that. <laughs> I'm not counting. <laughs> I'm not counting, but <laughs> but um, yeah, watched that game and fell in love with this. You know, the green, the green jersey at Mel Meninga. And like for, from the, that day, my game was around like Mel. So I bought me a shin guard, one you put on your leg, put it on my arm, wrapped the black tape, going around in the bumps. <laughs> then all the other boys did the same. And uh, in 1992, we had a Pacific Cup. So we had all the uh, Samoa, Fiji, Kalupa. Yeah, Karopak. Yep, and I played for the, the Māoris. Uh, a couple of scouts come over, two machines, and picked up uh, Noah Njuku, um, Kuna God rest his soul, Johnny Lomax, and, and myself to come, over for, to come over to Canberra for a couple of years. All because of that Pacific Cup? Yeah, well, they, they picked up a lot of players. You know, Steve Kearney got picked up for West, West, Western Magpies. Uh, Sean Hoppy was a year before. So a lot of, you know, scouts from Australia came over because they just, the breeding for it. It's just, they're raw, but we just needed a bit of skills. <laughs> <laughs> they love the, the physicality sort of thing, but we just needed to tame it a bit. But, uh, yeah, we signed up for like two years and went over and my coach, was Craig Bell. Oh, wow. About the Storm's coach. Yeah. My 21's coach. And, and Sheeds was the head coach. Head, head coach. And then they had Dean Lance. Yeah, Dean Lance, who's an ex OG for Canberra as well, as a reserve grade coach. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, Craig Bell, I think he hasn't changed long, but mm. he was awesome. We've got a question on that like, um, how did you end up in Canberra and how did you adapt? Your mentality from here moving into the inner aspects, and that's from Nali. No, good question, mate. Uh, the year before I went over, my wife and I was my girlfriend back in the days. Uh, she was my training partner, so she was army. So mm -hmm. we, we trained, ran around the basin every day, push ups, sit ups, whatever. 
Yeah, I thought I was, you know, I thought we were fit. I thought I was fit. And you go to, <laughs> go to Canberra, go to Canberra, fire up. Cold as, I had my ankle socks on, shorts, singlet. It's cold as. I'm just trying to be tough, like doing a lap around the field, and like right next to Mel, Laurie Daly, Bradley Clyde. I'm like, it's cold as, dude. I've got a singlet on. Sock Mel. And they were just trying to get something. I was like, he could do that. It's freezing. It was like like three three degrees in Canberra. I was like, Fuck, these guys got jackets on, sock, long socks, and stuff, ankle <laughs> socks, and um, baby oil legs. But um, yeah, the training was next level. Like you just gotta, you just had to just grit. Yeah, yeah. They were always after perfection all the time, the pass and miss tackles. So there was a lot of swearing, just trying to get used to all that. I was just swearing and stuff. Mm-hmm. It took me a while. Come to a stage and I wanted to punch them. Mouth was real naughty. Can you not swear at me or ask? Those ones. What was the age difference between like you and Mao at that time? Um, was he at the end? Or? So he was. He's when he retired. He was thirty-five. I was twenty-one. So yeah, it's like fourteen wow. years. So, you, so, you, so he was like an idol? Bro, he was, he was a G.O.D. to me, bro. He was like, he, might, that, yeah, he was the man. But I just, and he really took the time to uh, look after the young guys. So, which really made me even more respectful of the man himself. And he, you know, he was married to a Kiwi, so must be a connection there. Yeah, so he's Solomon Islander. He's got that island blood in there, so. Right, yeah. My first run-on game. My first run-on game for the 21s in the Canberra jersey. Two machines brought the team early to watch this Otara boy. I only lasted 10 minutes. Got sent from the field. (laughs) Head eye. (laughs) Oh, you know, that just wanted to prove a point. And my centre partner was the coach for the Tigers, Michael Maguire. <laughs> Crazy. So it was his fault because he tackled low and the guy was falling. And I come up <laughs> that way. Two weeks suspension. Oh, yep. Yeah, yep. Every year. <laughs> We've got a question here from, like, just on that south side thing. Who was the player in the hood who inspired you growing up? That's from Tawa. Well, we had a coach back in our, our days who used to train with us. We used to do road runs all the time. Uh, Barry Kopua, he's an he's a OG, old, old school coach who worked for the electric company. And he would draw, always, he lived by Pearl Baker shops and he'd jog down to Hills Road where we trained. So uh, we always do road runs and he was always leading the way. Just kind of followed him. Like, he's old school. The old, but, Put the tyres down because we didn't have tackle bags, so we had the big tube tyre. That was our tackle bag. Roll the tyre, bang it. Not the outside of the tyre, but the tube. <laughs> but, uh, and then ended up debuting in 93 for first grade. So I was playing with Mel and Gary Boucher, Brady Clyde, and I was like, wow. I was on the wing. 
I debuted on the wing against Newcastle. And those guys were just putting the big bombs up and I was like, oh, fuck. And your job? Uh, no, nah, I was uh, some OGs, Matthew Rodwell, I think. They were just bombing me all day. <laughs> just, just try and catch it. But it was, it was good, man. It was a good experience. And 94, someone got injured and I never, never turned back. Just stayed, stayed in first grade from then on. 200 games? Yeah, in Canberra, yeah. 225 or something. And that's a lot of suspension there too. Wow. How many years is how many years yeah. were you at um, Raiders then? Twelve. Twelve years. Wow. Yeah. So I was only supposed to go for two and then come home, play for the Warriors, but I changed my mind. I would have, <laughs> would have got got up to mischief. So I stayed in Canberra. What year did you start at Raiders? Ninety three. And ninety ninety five was when the Warriors started it. Yep. Yep. So they they, they, they did they... come over. Oh man. Yeah. I signed a contract for the Warriors. Oh, wow. This is for the people? Yeah. I did sign. <laughs> <laughs> but then I changed my mind and signed for Canberra. So there was I had signed two contracts. One was I don't know what that one was, but the Canberra one was legit. So I ended up going to court for that. Yeah, so it was a big thing. I was out for like three months. So the Warriors said that you already signed? Yeah, yeah. So there was promised me all this stuff, but it wasn't a first grade contract. Actually, that ties in. we've got a question here from Fali Tanubasa. Advice for our boys who aren't signed and do not have an agent? Or just the whole process of being Oh, signed. okay. Um, it's very important to get an agent so they can speak on your behalf for the Polynesian boys, because the Polynesian boys will just go, yes, yes, yes. They'll agree to anything. So the agents do all the, you know, the no, no, no. So if they can, like, get some uh, help with the agent, just to help do the dealing for them, mm. it'd be a lot better than the uncle or the, the mum sorting out the contract. Mm. Because the, the emotions, the emotions come out, you know, so it's the connection. And a lot of agents won't charge the young players these days until they actually make it. So that's something for Fali to take to and that off. And they had a follow-up on that, um, a B part. Advice for that are underrated and keep getting overlooked at trials because of their that's familiar. And because they're not the loud, cocky, kiss some coaches' ass type of player. <laughs> <laughs> There's a real question. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And the real answer is you just... It's going to be a bit of luck, you know. you got to take out the opposition that you're coming up against and... It's as long as you keep improving on your performance, that someone will recognise you. Mm. Yeah. So that's you know that sounds like us coming through the grades. No one like noticed us until we were like winning games, you know, as a as a unit, and then we started knocking on the doors. Mm. But it's just it's gonna be patient. You gotta be patient. It's gonna may, may take a while, but he's gotta keep getting better at his craft. You know, still be hungry, take out the opposition. It's in his position, mm. and hopefully it Because yeah. it's funny, the rugby league, like career average is only two years. So you're lucky to play longer than that. So, yep. It's with injuries, with injuries, you know, with injuries and, and so forth, and um, 
people just want to get rid of you and stuff. So pretty blessed to ended up playing for so long. And that's where that hunger, hunger yeah. the hunger comes through, like trying to get better every day. Yeah. And with that being an integral part of the game, like injuries do happen. How mm. are you, everyone deals with it differently? I hate injuries. So like I had only two major ones with my arms broken from those suspensions. Uh, but any injury that I did occur in the game, I would look after it straight away. So I sit, do all the things that needs to get it right for the week after. So I didn't like missing games and didn't like to be injured. So made sure I did the 24-hour rehab on it to make sure I'm right. Yeah. You can't, you can't wait. You know, you can't wait three days to start doing the the rehab rehab on it. You got to do it straight away. Longevity, me, sure. and a bit of that. I know when I was playing down one or two, um, I know people get injured. Mm. Then next, next, the next Tuesday they're back playing and with the injury, and it's oh no no it's all good now no 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 no. But come to the game, uh, you, can, you can tell it's it still hasn't come right, and it's that that, that mentality that they have. Asking, but now I think about it now, so it's like oh man, it's like. Stupid now. Is it? Why, yeah. why? Why play with an injury? You know you're gonna make it worse. A lot, of, a lot of guys, a lot of guys do it too because yeah. they don't want to let their teammates down. Yeah. You know, and I know in the local, they get paid for yeah, yeah, yeah. a win. But there's a lot of guys we play, we play for injuries that yeah. people don't know about. So if you heard all the stories about the injuries that we did play through, us, you go, what the heck? How'd you do that? Simon Mannering. That guy was like on his deathbed most 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 games, you know. And the stories go on, mate. You just they just don't want to let the mates down, you know. They're just like war horses without the gun, you know. Was there was there anyone that took you on, like under your under their wing on the Raiders when you turned up? Or? I had those two mentors mentors I spoke about, Johnny Lomax and Kuni Ponga, and they meant. Well, they were at the same time, but their ment mentality was the same as, you're in my way, I'm taking you out. So I kind of fed off that, but they were in the middle, I was on the edges, so I was doing that to backs. <laughs> I was swinging, man. <laughs> and when you had Quinson and Johnny, they never ran it in the middle of the pack, because they know what they're going to get. So between three of us, we've got a lot of holidays. <laughs> a lot of holidays. And do you do like lose pay? Well, you, you, it's your job. So, it's, you know, we get paid for the, when we sign, that's yeah. the salaries, you know, but <laughs> they should have docked us heaps. <laughs> <laughs> but um, speaking of Quinn and Pongia, he was, I was his tackle bag before games. So I held the pack for him. And <clears throat> I'm either, either, either had a blood nose or mild concussion. So <laughs> I didn't know if I was half, half what I was doing in the game because I was concussed from Quinnan. But that was the mentality. He approached everything, the training, the game, <clears throat> and even to the, his last breath, he passed away. You know, so, and that's, that's why he, he, he told me to want to survive in the game, you got to 
take out the opposition. But then he rang, then he texted me before, you know, when he got sick. He wanted to know how I balanced it out. The tough guy on the field, but like a teddy bear off the field kind of thing. He was always the same, on and off, so he couldn't get the balance right. So that, uh, this is when he was going through his cancer and stuff, so I kind of said, well, that's just my job, man. Don't take it home, you know. Yeah. Gotta leave it, leave it on the field. Can you just talk about that? We had um, King Capisi and Kaz on earlier, and they talked about like um, they just regular everyday guys. But as soon as they go into the studio, they switch on. There's a certain thing, character they become. Yeah. Is there a similar process? And like when you guys go into a game, is what's the switching on for you? Well, the probably the same with the army and that because. When we go on the field, that's our that's our, our battlefield, you know. There's no guns, but that's there's our team our team players around us, and as soon as we cross that line, you just don't want to get them out, you know, get them away. I'm out there to hurt you or to do what I can for my team, and um, through the process, trying to keep it nice and controlled. But uh, as soon as you come off the field, it's back to that normal. Mm. person you know so it's leaving it on the field mm. and not taking it off the field I, you know you're gonna have losses it hurt it hurts but in reality you go home to your wife and kids mm -hmm. and they they give you the full monty again mm -hmm. dad you're a cucker today <laughs> thanks <laughs> but that keeps you humble you know keeps it real always ask for their opinion but on the field is you leave it on the field because mm. you're out there to do a job yo too cool uh, so we've partnered up for this first season with Keys Down Real Talk. Uh, it's a community-led campaign spreading the message of anti-drink driving, responsible alcohol consumption, etc. Uh, it's had local rappers and musicians involved in the past, and currently it's using these raw video podcast-style conversations as another way to promote the message. And I imagine that an OG like yourself, you would have seen a fair bit around alcohol and coming off the... Uh, field and then there's the, the drinks and uh, yep. alcohol culture yeah, yeah. Is associated with the working man's game. Like how, yep. how did you find that scene both here in New Zealand before you went over there? Uh, yeah, well we started, I started young uh, drinking because it, it was the thing to do back then and influenced by your mates and stuff so and we had no transport back in the day so we just kind of, there's a party of Mangere, find your way there and sleep it off and then run home the next day. Oh, wow. We didn't have a car, so didn't have money for the bus. You gotta have a few beers, you gotta chop home. But um, yeah, the drinking was pretty big back in the growing mm. up and stuff. What's drinking driving back in those days? <clears throat> uh, I had an incident. Um, I was supposed to go to England on a development. My first grade team, the O2 team, I ended up grabbing mum's car and going to town. And I took my leg and just been a heck. So I had a few drinks under my belt. Ended up crashing the car. Hit a pole just past Grafton Bridge. Yep. Yeah. Hit a pole and actually split the, split the car in half. So the engine ended up at the back. Damn. My mate broke his leg in three places and I come out with a stitch in my way. So I ended up doing six months PD before I went to Kimber. The influence and it really shook me up after that because I, I should have 
Mm-hmm. Like that, you know? But uh, someone was looking better than me. His mum told me not to take the car, but I did. Just, you know, eek. Um, yeah, about six months of PD, waking me up. <laughs> waking me up, just doing the, the bum jobs and painting toilets and pulling the weeds out and these gang members and fighting for your food. Because we only had like a, a sandwich. And if you wanted to toast it, you had to start a fire. People trying to steal my lunch, don't steal my lunch. That's <laughs> 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 my lunch. <laughs> you know, so, but that was a fire for me. Yeah, I'm spilling the car now. Yeah, so um, as. Yeah, wake me up after that and to promise mum do something, do something special, you know, mm. with my life and. And went to Canberra after that. And what was the culture of um, drinking around over in Australia? It was massive in Australia. Yeah. Huge. Uh, if you didn't drink, you didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's probably one bit of advice Tim Sheens gave to me uh, before. <sighs> after we picked us up from the airport and stuff, was find find friends outside your circle, outside the circle of rugby league. So find some friends that are not associated with Canberra. Um, so I found some uh, Polynesians where we lived and just hung out with them instead of going out with the boys, mm. which kept me, you know, they kept me on my toes. The humble, Kava, Kava came, came into the picture. How did it come into the picture? When did you get introduced? Oh, it was his, it was his uncle, um, no, Ninjuku. So after we won the grand final in 94, the second day, uh, Noah rang the embassy. A limousine turned up, had the car bowl, and, uh, and that was it in the, in the limousine. A car bowl in the, into the pub. This guy in the suit took it in, mixed the cup in the cover, hooked. Yeah. I was hooked. That was like for two days. And then uh, when I got a bit older, I took it more serious with the car because of the benefits from the car. It helped me, like, get me back on the field and stuff. So then I tried to introduce it to the, the Kiwi teams and the Warriors and just to help, help them get a balance, eh? For a lot of the audience out there that aren't familiar with it, what other benefits? And <clears throat> I did like, a bit of research on the car. So there's an ingredient that's in the actual car itself. They're using um, antiflames. So it's called coxi, C-O-X-I. And that's actually in the actual root of the, the cover. So it has some like anti-inflammatory impairments about it. It's just way better after a game. And, and just calms your mind and nice and relaxed without going overboard. And, you know, people get on the drink and they go overboard and stuff. So just getting the balance and the, the social aspect of it. The team environment and guitars and the singing, well, pretend to sing. How did you know to wrap up the 12? Like, what was it? Uh, I think it was, well, there's, it was myself and Jason Croker, probably the, the OGs from the 94 that were left, and Luke DeVico. So um, I was taking pay cut to stay in Canberra because I didn't want to go. So financially, I was losing out. And it just got to a point, you know, I told my agent to just go have a, have a look around. Uh, you know, the Warriors came to the party 
and Wigan, Wigan Warriors. Mm. So there's two two teams came to the party and you know I was hitting. Oh, how old was I? Yeah, my late okay, my late twenties, thirties. So they D Day was a contract, two contracts, Warriors or Wigan, and my kids were born in Australia. Santa and I, our kids were born in Australia. So there's an opportunity to bring the kids home, to like meet the cousins and grow up in New Zealand, uh, or go over to UK and travel. So just had to look at the bigger picture, what's going to be best for the kids. Because uh, they, they would have loved to stay in Canberra. They still want to go back. So when the Raiders win the final, I might go back. <laughs> oh, was that was that like? Oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, so I ended up coming home, and you know, just try and pass on what I learned from Canberra to to the Warriors, with the young boys coming through. And was that a? How did you find that? What was that shift like coming back to Aotearoa after all that time? Was uh, it the same New Zealand you remembered, or was it different? Yeah, well, it did expand from the days when I was growing up in Hotara, for like all the farmland that used to be at the back there. Yeah, yeah. Man, we come back, it was like, it, it, there was a temple there. Mm. I said, what the heck? There's a temple, like houses going all the way up to Whitford. Mm. So it was like, man, this place is growing. But we ended up going back to Flatbush. So we ended up staying close to Otara. They just, you know, didn't want to go anywhere else. Uh, but just mixing with the, the young youth coming through, they're really fresh. Mm. So money was coming through, Hamilawake, Nevantumavave, all these young pups. Mm. Just real gangster islanders. I was going, how you mate? It's like checking me out and stuff. I said, yeah, get those way. Let's go. You earn, your you earn your respect pretty quick. So, a good bunch of boys. They just needed to be guided on certain things, you know, like outside of footy. Like, because footy is not going to last forever. That's what led into the Kiwi's Fitness, you know. So, 2008, we started up, four people in the garage, and kind of expanded from there, you know, we're like 10 years on. Now we've got a hub. Mm. And North Tunnel. Right in the heart. Right in the heart. Behind the Paradise Bar. <laughs> <laughs> and the Samoan Church. Right the Paradise Bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You hear the choppers. You hear the choppers every day. Yeah, the choppers and the police cars. Oh my gosh. Oh, we're, only small, yeah, we're only small fries at the moment, also. So we're just getting our head around running this business at the moment. Um, it's only been like four months. Our uh, clientele's grown, which is cool. But uh, just getting some other people. Uh, who are actually professionals on that and that side of things because they own businesses and that so the best way to do it is ask, ask for help because we're all going for the same just make this place work for the next five years but um, yeah no people are loving it we've got people from Howick coming over to Otara that those are our first clients and they're seeing what we've you know what we've achieved and they want to be on their ride and get in, you know, get in, get in touch with the schools and the community. Just change their mindset around, mm. you know. You can have your, you can have your food. You just got to get the balance right. You know, there's a lot of bakeries around. There's a lot of, Man, a lot of bakeries just across the road from me. 
Actually, that's a question we have from Pepe um, about nutrition. It's, it's balanced, man. You know, you still still got to treat yourself. You know, it's like I love my ice cream, I love my chocolate, but I just work train twice as hard after I've done it. <laughs> but you know, it's there's the process like Monday to Friday, eating clean, do your game on the Saturday, then you have a, your treat meal the next day, kind of thing. Mm. But you know, don't go, don't go insane. But it's more. It's ninety. It's the ninety ten rule. So it's ninety percent the food mm. and the exercise is only the ten. Mm. It's crazy, but that's that's you know, it's what you're putting in your into your mouth. We've got a um, we've got it's a statement here from the Carlo Park family. Carlo Park, oh where? They're saying growing up around the gangs, tribes, and BPs. How did you stay focused on a career of league? I hope my boys stay up just as real as you, bro. Hearty, keep oh. it real for us. Salute, Carlo Park, brother. Far out, mean. Oh, that's you know that those gang members are around. Yep. I never was I tempted to go over there. Hence why I had the sports, sports to take your mind off stuff mm. like that, you know. They were, they were groups, but not the groups you wanted to be associated with. So, chose sport instead. And it is, you know, some did venture to go into the gangs because I has a connection with the family or stuff, but that's just the way of the life, but never crossed my mind going that way. That's all, that's the way. Always always touch on with our mates. Yeah. It's a decision. Which one which path you want to take, you know? Yeah. The path to following bad experience or make your own path yeah. and do something with your life. Because you don't like representing your family. So I, every time you're out there in the public eye I know who I'm representing, you know. So if I stuff up that affects my family, you know, yeah. so that's why I don't go out. <laughs> Just stay at home. Yeah. Drink car on my own sometimes. <laughs> Lonely dude, you'd rather be, you know, safe. Standout memories on the field? Ooh, where do we start? <laughs> Probably at grand, at grand final, mm. it was Mal's last game, and that was my first year in first grade, to see him go out on the line, uh, it was huge. I, I didn't really, it didn't really hit me until like years later, what, what we achieved. So these guys were crying and charged and I'm like, wow, oh, just another another win. But then I look back on the, the medallion that we um, received, because it was the rings came two years later. Oh, wow. NRL rings. So we're the OGs of the last ones with the medallion. So I should put a chain around them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah. <laughs> but um, then I look at it and I said, wow, wow, this is something special. You know, and got out of my shoe, you know. Uh, probably uh, representing my country, New Zealand, that year, the same year. You know, there's always a dream for anyone that's playing sports to represent the highest honor, which is the country. And to do that um, for a long time is pretty awesome. That was always the, bo the bonus at the end of a regular season is to make the Kiwis because mm. uh, you just want to represent your country. And that's like all the boys around around the, uh, the country, they just wanted to come together yeah. like a reunion and play for their 
for what it, you know, the black and white. Good times, man. Um, shucks, so many memories. Uh, 2005, we beat the Aussies 24-0 in England. And that was like... The Tri, the tri Nations one? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we had like a lot of, contra you know, adversity. We're playing in a foreign country in England against Australia. And we just... The carver came on the trip in 10 kilos of carver. So that was the, the turning point. The drinking culture stopped that year. Uh, we had a we had we had a sesh on drinking, but that was it. It was more carver after the games and stuff. Uh, one of the carver session. Remember Nina Cherry, the, sing the singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember her? Yeah. 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 yeah, and that group, the Gorillas. Yeah, yeah, the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a carver session with those dudes, wow, mate. I said, wow, this is Nina Cherry. Fire up. This is like photos, drinking the kawa. This is like three in the morning. But I opened it. So cool. But uh, yeah, that 2005 was a massive one. Winning the World Cup in 2008 with the boys. Being that up. was over in England as well? No, no, it was in, in Australia. Australia. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't really get to beat Australia on a regular, so it was those ones are real standouts, you know. In a way, you almost have added weight to anything you do, like whether you're seeing in public, whether you yeah. talk, everything carries more weight. How do, yeah. you, how do you deal with that responsibility? Less is more. So I try not to kind of ramble on too much and just to get to the point of what the, what the question is because they're always trying to look for an angle on everything, um, the, the media. media. Mm. So I'm just trying to keep it straight to the point and and honest as, as I can, and if it's too touchy, then I'll avoid it, mm. you know, because I've got nothing to do with it. So just keep a look, keep on the download on stuff like that. Because some people like talking about all different, different stuff. Is that, that trying to get headlines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they really see me in the papers too much, which is good, a good thing. Lelo, Lelo, growing, growing. Yeah, yeah, nah, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm all good here. But you, you would, you would have got like sort of some sort of training in media, media and stuff yep. like that. And so the first year in Canberra, we had to like do a three-minute speech, yeah. talk about where you're from, and just to break break the ice, actually. Yeah. And this is in front of all the boys and that Mel Meninga. It's, it's pretty daunting, yeah. you know, from humble beginnings and you're like speaking in front of Mel Meninga and Tim Sheens and Laurie Dale, it's like, oh man, let's just take a deep breath. But yeah, you get you get media training down the track, so yeah, not sounding like I mean and iron and stuff like that, because they're trying to take a breath. But that comes it comes with a comes with a territory. The more more years you're in the game than exposed to media, the more you get used to it, eh? What was your Instagram? Um, family first, fitness second. For somebody who hasn't got into fitness and stuff and just trying to find a hook and stuff, what do you, what's your advice about these kind of changes? So, uh, probably small changes, man. Just go for a walk or something, you know. If they're wanting to change their their, um, their mindset around again, doing exercise, mm. start small, go for a walk. 
like go for for 20 minutes the next day make it 25 just more steps like that and changing the the food on your plate more vegetables than meat you know just little little changes not not too drastic that you're gonna go oh yeah i'm just gonna have carrots tonight mm. um yeah but just small changes done, it is it is <laughs> no it is but it's a, yeah it's a myth, almost a mental thing yeah but, but what are the what do they want what do they want to get out of it you know uh, is it for them or is it so Usually it's around weight loss, right? So just changing their nutrition and just adding the exercise, you know, just about to make it too drastic. Mm. Go for a walk. That's the, the best calorie burner ever. And, you know, moderation of the food changes and stuff. It's not rocket science, bro. <laughs> but it's just people's mindset around, oh yeah, three meals, oh, big meals, sweet ass. But when you have only those three meals, they're like a roller coaster. You say breakfast will take you on a, a spike, then you'll hit that downhill, then you want lunch and go up again. So you need a couple small meals in between. So it's balanced. I guess a lot of people, it's kind of information overload, someone like do keto, something like that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of fads and no, no. Keep it's, it basic. Well, yeah, keep it basic, keep it real. You know, most important, Meal is breakfast. You gotta have your breakfast. People won't eat until like twelve. So you gotta have your breakfast, have a snack at like three hours later, lunch, snack again, and then dinner. And then something a cup of tea or something and cabin bread at night. I don't know. <laughs> Are those cabin breads still in the tin? Do you still get those or what? No and one cabin bread, not yeah. the tin. <laughs> no, <the> tin. <laughs> yeah. So the award, being being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Fame. How was that, man? Pretty, um, pretty weird actually, because you know, Station and I were like, is this, is this a G up or? Because there was like 25 guys up for nominations and we were both in there and the, the people that were in there were a lot older than us and a lot more history. But like, when, if, when we found out we were actually in the top four, I was like, wow, this is real Stace. <laughs> this is real, buddy. But, you know, it came surreal when we actually went over there and up on stage and um, getting that jacket, the Hall of Fame jacket was like, wow, this is, this is real. And then on Tuesday night, we got the ring. There's a ring that comes with the jacket. I said, man. Look at the diamonds in that ring. It's crazy. So I don't know what I'm going to do with those. Just put on the mortgage or something, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was just a, yeah, just, yeah, I was still over, overwhelmed, you know, just that we ended up being recognised for playing the game that we love. And to be only three Kiwis in there at 110, wow. that's even better. Like we've put a foot in the door in the Australian comp. So it's Mark Graham, Stace and, and myself. So hopefully we've opened it up for the, the next generation, which will be like Simon and and so forth like that. Who would you put forward for the next New Zealand? Simon. Simon? Yeah. 
Simon. And why? Like why? Because you never yeah. see you never you never see Simon do all the flash stuff, right? Mm. He's he's a guy cleaning up all the mess from all the boys that missed the tackles and stuff. And he's 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 a guy who he'll miss a tackle in a game, and he's, he's done fifty of them. He'll get cut that he's missed that tackle because yeah. he let his team down. So he's always the pick first on the you know on the list in the team because he's played through injuries, sickness, and just give it 100%, you know. Some guys, um, he's only at like 30%, and the guys are at 100, and he's still playing better than them because he, want, he, he wants to do the, do the boys proud, you know. So I reckon him, be the next Hall of Famer, has come from my mouth. <laughs> just try and make this business work for, for the people, you know, give back, you know, to the community, help the next generation of kids coming through, you know. Use our facilities to, like, go to that dark place. So what do we do here to match what they're doing over there? What's the, what's the gap? The gap is, we, they, they started at a young age, so like seven years old, and that's drummed, in, drummed into them from day dot. But the standards, catching the ball in your hands, to footwork. We got raw, you got raw talent here. They just learn off the streets, you know, and, but they just need that mentality around setting higher standards, not, you know, that island mentality or the brown mentality of like, oh no, nah, we'll just do this and go under the radar. Yeah. Go and like, go and get it, you know? They said, oh no, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Not waiting for it, go and get it. Because that's, that's the mentality in Australia. They, they want it. So going from like the jersey flag to the 15s, the 18s, their skill level is crazy. Our, you know, we've got natural skill, but it's just honing on the, the basic stuff, you know? Like those ones that don't turn up to training, or they don't come on Tuesday because it's gonna be fitness, right? <laughs> and then on Thursday, and on Thursday it's like ball skills. Yeah. And then, oh yeah, they think they're gonna, get, and they'll get picked in the yeah, team because yeah, of yeah. their talent. Yeah. <sighs> they're yeah. injured on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Flavor on uh, I got no way of getting to training. Those ones, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah it's crazy, man. It's... So it's just top two inches is the, pretty much the difference between here and there. <sighs> yep, the, the combo there is ruthless, man. And for half, half of our, uh, youth coming through worked on that 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 one percent, mm. and they'll make a huge difference in our game going forward. Whether it be Samoa, Tonga, New Zealand, Fiji, just we'll take on the best of them, you know. We like we want to make it on a regular, not like one in a one in a blue. We want to be competitive all the time. Mm. You know, just like in the music industry, you just want to grind and get better than the opponents, you know. So, you know, every day we're just trying to work on something, you know, so. We did a workout yesterday, and now I want to beat my time, so. <laughs> it was yuck. Yeah, top, top five, top oh five. man. What's the Ruben Wookiee playlist, man? Oh, okay, my, uh, my number one jam is Marvin Gaye, gotta give it up. Yeah, yeah, it's a classic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of slow jams in there, G, you know, it's like, 
when I'm having carver or mopping the floors, the slow jams come on. That's 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 five of. And that's your pre-match songs as well. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Slow jams. Slow jams. No, no, like heavy stuff. Just slow jams. Mm. Just calm my mind, and when I'm up in the the gym, slow jams. Pretend to go with the music and pretend that it's a mic. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> music nah. when you um, train. Uh, I can train with no music. Yeah. You yeah. prefer no music. Yeah, so I can hear my breathing. Then I know I'm like <laughs> dying. <laughs> so I don't need music to like stimulate myself. Massive. Yeah. Because people, some people like music yeah, yeah, so to stimulate. Got yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I'm a, when I'm training on my own, no music. So my first game, remember I told you that first game, I was at Leichhardt Oval, and my 300 game was there too. <laughs> and Tim Sheens was the coach for the Tigers. Wow, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Wow. crack up. I say, I remember you getting suspended here, Ruben. Yep. Shot coach. <laughs> so Tim Sheen's been been in that coaching game for long time, man. Good coach. Yeah, you got the Wayne Bennett. He's from Canberra. Don Ferner, senior. Man. Even like ex players like yeah, Craig Bellamy. Ex players like Madge Michael Maguire. He's from Canberra. Um, Seabold, Anthony Seabold, he played, he was my centre partner that game of 21s. But he's got too many injuries. Anthony Seabold's the Broncos coach, he's from there. Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart. Um, it's funny when you, when you win a final, and like all the years he spent there, it's, every time we go to Sydney we always try and catch up. And then when we lost Quinton, uh, a couple of the Aussie boys came back, like Jason Croker, Brett Mullins, Brett Hennington, and a lot of ex-Kiwis came to Greymouth. And it just shows the league fraternity is pretty tight. It was a sad, sad day, man. These are all the big dogs, you know, staunch dudes. <laughs> New Zealand Rugby League and uh, like Jared McCracken, Craig Smith. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mal was marking him. Oh, I was on the other side. But um, when we entered the room where Q was, like these are the hard nuts of NRL. Just broke down. Because I see one of our fallen soldiers not looking like he used to look. Like wow. a cancer. It's crazy, man. Crazy. Just to rewind a little bit, so you got to spend a bit of time with Sonny? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was my Your memories of him. Big kid, strong as an ox, big smile. Uh, just wanted to learn. He was the next big thing, you know. And he was my roommate in 2008. Mm. Uh, so we, I was teaching him about footy and life in general. He was, he was teaching me Samoan and <laughs> so he was, Big heart, and then he had that that incident, and everyone was rocked because you know he was he was going to be he would have been like thirty something this year. He would have been still kicking it, but just natural talent, just hungry, you know, just raw but hungry as strong, fast. But um, 
really a sad loss, mate. But good, good kid. Good kid. They take the good ones, mate. Mm. Take the good ones. Who was the toughest dude you ever played against? Oh, played against probably probably my sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you know that you know that backyard footy stuff. She she played Kiwis, and her nickname was Hitman. Bye, Jermaine. Yeah, she played the Kiwis in the uh, late nineties. Wow, I watched her play. Oh, I, I felt her play. <laughs> yeah, they always ask me that question. Who's the, who's the last you've gone against? I said, oh, it's my sister. She just has that, that timing, eh? Just wins me all the time. Is she older or younger? I'm the oldest. She's like 45. And then you got a younger brother? Yeah, 40. He does like uh, calisthenics, kickboxing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So those backyard footy stuff, man, she was the one. But there's been like a lot of players in different positions, you know, played like centre, back row, front row, probably Steve Renoff. Yeah. Uh, so those battles against Steve Renoff were pretty, pretty crazy because yeah. when he gets going, eh, it's hard to stop, so you take him out early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gordon Tellis in the back row. Uh, Petro in the, in the front row. Yeah, yeah, there's so many. I respected those, those three because they just played the game hard. Always wanted to win. And they were Queenslanders, eh? You didn't oh, mention funny, any. Yeah, you didn't mention any. Yeah. Oh, those, the, the ones in the New South Wales ones, they probably caught my forearm. I look at the suspensions, yeah, Paul Cernan. Where's the other one? Jason Stevens. Tom Clinton. He's New South Wales, eh? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I don't know why, but it was, yeah, it was some New South Wales guys. I was. <laughs> Final comments for all the young ones out there that are looking to get into the game, like, obviously, just being into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And there's those who are just starting the journey. Yep. Oh, just for any anyone um, or any sport you're like wanting to um, chase, you know, chase it with hundred percent commitment. You know, it doesn't matter where you're from. You know, you can be from like Pearl Baker, Johnson Road, or Fofana. Doesn't matter where you're from. You, you can achieve big things if you're surrounded with some good people. You know and and you're hungry to do something, do something with your life. Sports a great vehicle to keep you um, keep your mind channeled, and just just it shows a lot of uh, skills for for life in general. So when you become a parent, and what you want to pass on to your kids. So um, yeah, chase your dream. Don't give up on a dream. It's our boys still still chasing. And uh, he's drinking cold with these, these lovely people. But um, yeah, it's just never give up on your dream. It's been an absolute honor. Salute to the Carver King. Shop of that. To you too, bro. When we up.